Hello? We're good. We're good. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah great. Sweet. <laughs> so how's your day? It's going really well. It was this weekend was so packed. It was like event after event after event. So I'm just right. really thankful that, that yeah, that we were able to do everything that we were supposed to and we, we made it and it, it was relatively good. Like for the most part it's pretty smooth and there's fun adventures in between them. So Nice. Very good. Well it sounds like you had a very full weekend. Yeah, what about you? Did you have a good weekend? Uh let me think. Uh what happened yesterday? Oh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It was just yesterday. <laughs> I did the same thing. Somebody goes, what did you do today? And I'm like, uh, I know I did things. And then they're I like, oh. <laughs> okay. It went well. Um, I, was off, I was invited to give us, to be on a panel to talk about my Toastmasters journey. So I went to give a speech. And then wow. I went to go see a movie with a friend afterwards. And then we came back home and we had tea together. So it went well. Aww. It was good. That's amazing. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I am Mo Sibyl, and this is the More Sibyl Podcast. Another episode of the More Civil Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is a podcast about cultural, cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host, Mo Civil, Nigerian born, US educated, Korean speaking, struggling intellectual. Today, I have a very good friend with me. Um, I met her in Austin, I want to say maybe about two and a half years ago, through a mutual friend. Actually, through her best friend, I think. Um, so, growing up biracial in a multicultural home meant that she had to ask tough questions from the start about her identity, equality, community, friendships, and the like. She's also an aspiring graphic designer and a secretive poet. She uses her art to continue the journey of those questions through her multicultural marriage and the community around her. She considers herself a fighter for love to be in action in all places. She also loves hearing the stories of those people around her in hopes of building better bridges in all places and with all people. Her name is Maiho and um, she also enjoys simple pleasures of life like puppies, coffees, foods of all kinds and summer activities. Everyone, please join me in welcoming Mai to the podcast. Hello, Mai. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How's Austin today? It's really good. It was so beautiful. The weather is perfect. It's perfect. Rub it in. Rub it in. <laughs> we have, we're having the crazy weather today. It's almost as if Mother Nature is like, here, grab my beer. I'm going to show you how you can have like five seasons in one day. <laughs> Windy, hot in one minute, and then the next minute it's like, you know, what's happening in Oklahoma City? Aww. Well, I'm, I'm jealous. I really miss Austin. Aww. Austin misses you. I miss you. We want you back. I, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Find me a good job and I come back. The street's got to eat, you know? Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much. It's really nice to have you today, and um, I can't really wait to, you know, hear so much more about you. So... Let's get right into it. Bye, Richard. What does that mean? Like, so I know you're Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my mom's side of family is from a little island in Japan called Okinawa, and um, they were their own people group, their own kingdom. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of cultural nuances to that. So I'm Okinawan Japanese, and the other part of me is uh, from my dad's side. They're white American. So that is. The, my racial breakdown in a nutshell. So how did your parents meet? Did your dad serve in the, in the, in the military and then he traveled to Japan or how, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. So he 
um, my dad was in the Air Force, um, wow. and and so that's how my parents met. He was stationed there in Japan, in Okinawa, Japan, and so my parents met. And um, when he had to leave, they decided to get married. And fast wow. forward, and here I am. Good, good. I can imagine him one day he was just flying his plane, and then he saw that beautiful little lady on the island. <laughs> I'm gonna marry her. I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> <laughs> I think one yeah. thing I really know about Okinawa is that you guys have a very you have a very long lifespan and you yes. live longer than most people. I think it's been credited to your food, mm-hmm. you know, rich in omega H three and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is that's true. Okinawans are known for living very very long time uh yeah. yeah it's just it's a communal uh place and um so all the generations are always interacting with each other and the traditional foods there are um just like really hearty um yeah, well, yeah. Nutri- nutritious foods um and it's really well balanced and yeah. part of the culture is how you eat and so um i guess so you could say that about all cultures but they they yeah. take it to, to an intense level where it's it, depending on the season and what festivity and and so yeah it's uh yeah it's their food is delicious and you have such a huge variety but that's also what attributes to their longevity. Long life. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That's a very um, rich um, heritage you have. So now yeah. tell me, what was it like being a Japanese-American growing up? What was your family structure like and also your mm-hmm. external environment? Yeah, so growing up, I moved around quite a bit. Um, I... Yeah, I, there's parts of my life that I lived in Okinawa, Japan, went to Japanese public school and was a Japanese kid through and through. Um, I, yeah, I spoke the language. I did the same sort of things that any other kid would there. But then I've also lived different phases of my life in the U.S. and different states mm-hmm. in the U.S. And so, um, and then, and yeah, so between those places, I've been to American public school, an American um, international school and mm-hmm. a Japanese public school um, and so they're all very very different systems which I feel like are one of the most attributing influences in my developing years um, mm-hmm. yeah so that definitely had an impact uh, because that's how you as a child I feel like you're the most exposed to culture in other cultures around you um, yeah. yeah and then so I think it was interesting because no matter where we lived the culture I experienced in whatever school I was at was always very different from the culture that I went back home into the where like my family um so yeah so typically most of our childhood um my mom made a really huge effort to for us to remember and know our culture and so she would often only speak to us in Japanese and she would only answer us in Japanese um, which I'm so thankful for now but as a child I thought it was so rude Annoying. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like mom you're so mean and she's like you'll thank me later and I was like yeah oh. no, I, uh, so yeah I definitely am thankful for her now as an adult that she stuck to her like decision and in that regard and um yeah, so that that's definitely influenced the way I lived, the way we ate, the way we yeah. did life. Um, but it was also interesting because my dad didn't speak Japanese, so it was a constant going back and forth um, oh, in the in the two languages. Um, yeah, so it was um, 
yeah, our home was was interesting in that in that we were always flipping back and forth pretty seamlessly. Or to us, it just it's like no different than breathing. Um, yeah. And, and even as an adult, for me now, like if I speak too long in one language, my brain gets tired, and so it, <laughs> it's like I have to like I need a nice balance of like I need people to speak in Japanese too and people Japanese to speak too. in English too. Yeah. So um, okay. yeah. So that's true. And it's and it's also fun because. The times that we lived in Okinawa, um, my mom's side of family, the the older generations, like my grandparents' generation and stuff, they mm-hmm. and their siblings, like they all spoke um, the local dialect, and so just being able to learn those words too, and um, yeah, so I guess it's kind of like equivalent to like how in Texas there's like Spanish because they're Spanish speaking, English speaking, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that for Okinawan. I see. How is the language spoken on the island different from the mainland? Like, yeah, they all spoke Japanese, but no. No, no. Yeah. Oh. So, um, so Okinawa used to have their own dialect. Um, it, but they say dialect, but if you ask most people in Japan, they would say it's it it should be another language. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the universities are trying really hard to interview the remaining survivors of like the baby boomers um, and yeah. and World War Two survivors, and um, yeah. they've been trying to document the Preserve culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. A, a lot. A lot of it has already died, and what is left is because of the push. The last thirty years, I would say, to preserve mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, well, and also, it, one of the U.S. has their largest military, military base, base yeah. there um, for the Eastern Hemisphere, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And so that also plays a huge impact into cultural pres- preservation. For, yeah. So it's just it's a very international island now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's always been a battle for, yeah, like my people that are there and trying to like remember who they are and where they came from. Um, yeah, so I think it's similar to other um, like smaller native tribes in other countries too. It's it's a similar effect of like the people are dying out, the language is dying out, so they're not there aren't as many voices fighting to preserve it. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Wow, a very, very rich history. So you had mentioned something during your introduction, how you went to school in different places, mm-hmm. and you had to make, make adjustments. What would you say really helped you, you know, do that switch when you had to, for example, leave Japan and then move to the U.S.? Yeah, that was a very rude awakening, um, because uh, for me, in that point, I was coming, I technically had completed second grade in, in Japanese school system, but in America, because of the way the school calendar works, they hadn't finished that grade level yet, so they, uh, but they went ahead and stuck me in um, the remainder of what was left for American second my equivalent of second grade year and um, I had forgotten how to speak English and I had forgotten so I guess it would help to know that my parents from the time I was born had spoken to me in both languages but then Mm -hmm. during my time of being in Japanese school I forgot how to speak English and I forgot to how to read and write um, and so I when I came back I actually it was just it's such a bizarre experience because mm-hmm. I was an American citizen taking ESL class being treated like oh I, I was just, yeah just not a very pleasant that was fun no not at all and I mean now you know you know how many people feel about that so yeah that yeah, yeah, and so like looking back, I'm really thankful for it, even though in the yeah. moment it wasn't so enjoyable. But yeah. I mean, even when I was teaching for a short time, it it helped me like bridge the gap of like with my students that were ESL learners and yeah. um, or like just like trying to they're just like the, if they even if they were bilingual homes and they weren't necessarily ESL learners. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so it, it helped me now, but in the time, it was it was really hard, um, I think, in that moment. Yeah, because the kids weren't really aware of, like, how to approach it, and there wasn't as much, like, dialogue and discussion about how to, um, yeah, just be pro- proactive in cultural awareness at the time. Yeah. So I think a lot of that was difficult. Yeah. So I know you're married to Clement, mm-hmm. and he's Chinese now, right? He is he's a Chinese, right? He's Chinese American, yeah. He's Chinese American, sorry. I said he's Chinese now, like he changed his race. <laughs> <laughs> you good? Um, so how is it? So um, I just want to imagine that, like, between your parents, like, the current situation right now is almost like a mimicry of what you had growing up. So do you yeah, have dynamics like that reminds you of your upbringing, or is it a totally different kind of um, multiculturalness? I think it's. I think I sometimes I'm. I find myself trying to lean on what I saw as an example, but a lot of times I quickly have to snap out of it, realizing it's a completely different thing in itself. Yeah, uh, yeah because I think I think for my parents, they were both coming from a mono culture, mono ethnic background and and then um for me it was just like trying to learn how to how to do both or or not or yeah and just like learning how to navigate it and um and whereas like for clement and i even though he's chinese american and he's mm-hmm. mono ethnic um mm-hmm. he he has multicultural background because he grew up in um hong kong and beijing even though he's American, and so um, and then and then came back for um, higher education, and so it, in that sense, like both of us have parallel lives of like knowing how it or kind of being able to relate on how it feels to navigate multiple cultures and not really feeling like we belong to any one particular one. If that makes sense, um, I do, I do, I do. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that. So I'm yeah. just curious. Um, um, if you do have kids, I don't know whether you guys plan to have kids. What would you say would be like the dominant culture? Is it going to just be English or are you going to try teaching them? Um, I don't know what language you speak. Is it Cantonese or Mandarin? Yeah, it's Cantonese, yeah. Cantonese, and then you, mm-hmm. Japanese. Like, what's it going to be like? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, though. Keep asking ourselves. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> I think the last time we had this conversation, we were very adamant that at the very least we wanted them to have a name in each language um, so that they could find a like it's so that it, the choice belongs to them of what they choose to embrace like we will expose them and give them access to each of our cultures because between the three of us we or between the two of us we have essentially three almost yeah. technically four different cultures yeah. Yeah. yeah um and so really yeah like and then just also like knowing that like like depending on which country we're in um or like what or even like even if we're in america depending on what city you're in determines what you have access to culturally and um and so yeah so i think for sure i would be speaking to them in japanese and then um he's still in contemplation about what language you would speak to them but um but yeah i don't know that that's a very good question it's something we're always wrestling with like what kind of yeah. legacy do we want to leave and like yeah. how do we expose them and teach them all the cultures that our future children would come from right yeah. and so I mean, um, you guys are having these conversations now yeah yeah it's it's really very interesting and we're like well like our kids will have more of an adventure than we Never did so. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting yeah. times. Very interesting. Yeah. Times. Yeah. Good. Um, so another thing that I was curious about because um, I feel like what's kind of missing nowadays is 
cultural curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, and like people have questions about certain culture, but being afraid to ask, mm-hmm. they want to be perceived as you know, oh, that's racist, oh, that's xenophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm curious about now is the concept of shame, especially mm-hmm. in Japan, mm-hmm. and and. Like I said, my opinion about this are forged by two major sources mm-hmm. that I have read, and then what I have seen on TV, like in movies and things like that. But as a Japanese American, mm-hmm. I'd like you to, you know, um, speak to me about that, about that concept of shame, and is it really, really a real thing, you know, based on what mm-hmm. I've seen, or mm-hmm. is there more to it? And if, if, it, if it's really so, why do you think it's that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I think the concept of shame has very nuanced layers um, in Japan, from at least based on what I've experienced and what I've been taught by my own family and just recognizing that each family kind of has their own family culture too. Um, And so I think, I think like whenever I've interacted with my Japanese friends and relatives and um, family members, I think, I think that shame, the concept of shame in Japan tends to revolve around, um, are you, are you doing something or are you, are you making a choice that isn't for the greater good? Because it is such a communal society. And so, yeah, which I find really fascinating because although it's a communal society, there's so much pressure on the individual, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it creates this really, um, sometimes painful tension in my opinion that, Mm -hmm. that you have all this pressure on the individual to succeed for the sake of your community and your family and and um, and then all the definitions that go with success and and so yeah and so I think when you start adding all those nuances it becomes very um, yeah it just becomes very complicated in knowing is it okay to share Um, and even even so like most deep conversations don't happen unless you're in your if it, unless you're somebody that's in that person's inner circle, and um, yeah, and even if, and even to get into a person's inner circle, that takes time, and and when you have this concept of shame, like it just takes longer to uh, be more open about those quote unquote negative feelings. Um, so it's like it's like because it's such a communal orientated thing, which I think are really good attributes like yeah like like you can't swing the pendulum and say like oh well you know like everything's a balance and um there's this tension you have to walk in life as a as a whole but i just think it's interesting because when you have such an emphasis on like not speaking about negative feelings then um yeah like it just it's hard to tell when when you're being genuine or if somebody is truly saying like oh yeah like I had an excellent um like vacation it's like you like you're always kind of left wondering like is that really how you felt about it or did something go wrong or like yeah um and so I don't know I think I think it's I think it's a lot harder to get to those genuine um, heartfelt conversations that, yeah, I think it's just the concept of vulnerability becomes closed off to a very small select few, um, whereas I feel like in Western civilizations, there isn't a concept of shame in the context of naming like tragedies or heartbreaks or those quote unquote negative feelings. Um, And so, yeah, so I think it, I think that just makes it hard for people to, yeah, to to even have the the like to even know how to describe it when they are in a place that that is hard um, mm-hmm. because it's there aren't that many examples of people talking about it in your community and so yeah. And I want to mm-hmm. imagine that if you're feeling that way, it's not just you feeling that way. You're also reflecting on your communal that the communal isn't talked about. Mm-hmm. If you're not if you're not feeling that good, mm-hmm. you don't want people around you to feel like oh, that means as a whole we're not feeling well. 
Yeah. 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 And I think, I think too, I think I find it interesting too, because it almost sounds like whenever I'm in the culture, I don't think twice about it, but whenever somebody comes, like if a friend is there that, that of mine that like doesn't understand or know about the culture and they're like, why, why do you guys do this and that? And like one of the constant things is like that gets asked, is like, well, how do you guys, like, I don't get it. You guys always are, like, looking to improve and, like, looking in. And so, which is true because it's, like, you can't talk about shameful feelings, but then, like, if you're, because it is a communal system, you're always pointing out to each other, like, oh, this is what needs to be better and this is how we need to improve. And so, so then, like, it's kind of done in, like, a, sometimes it could be done in, like, a not, encouraging way I guess like is what you would say in the west like it's it's more it becomes more of like a oh like you're not doing your part for the community like step up your game yeah step up your game like and so it's interesting because they use shame to drive improvement and excellence but it's also not allowed to yeah 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 and along that along that concept historically let's keep going back to japan Mm -hmm. you have like this the seppuku, like the self-immolation. Mm-hmm. Um, like the oh, seppuku? Like, like suicide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I say that wrong? Seppuku, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cute. Um, the way you say it's really cute. <laughs> it makes you it, it makes really? a sad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a comical, actually. Yeah. Like the, the samurai practice of, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. Or even like the young, you know, kamikaze pilots of 1945. So they think uh-huh. that historical, um, mm-hmm. how they put it, practice of just taking your life. And then the culture of loneliness is, um, from what mm-hmm. I've heard Japan, it used to be like, you know, the unit of people living together, but people are like kind of breaking away from that family mode and mm-hmm. just living away. So most people feel lonely. Mm-hmm. The birth rates have reduced. Because I mm-hmm. read this book, Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. about dating all over the world and like the concept of being lonely. And loneliness like pushes people to, you know, do a lot of stuff. And yeah. there's also that suicide forest. I forget the name. The forest that is uh, apparently hunted. I don't know the name of that in Japan. So, um, mm-hmm. but I was really curious. I wanted to just find out from you as a, you know, a Japanese person, mm-hmm. so that way I can either clarify or, you know, clarify basically those um, opinions, those ideas that I gleaned along the way. I'm, I'm just curious along that line. How do you, you know, practice, you know, self-love? Because this is very important. Mm-hmm. I try to think of your mental health. How do you mm-hmm. give back to yourself, Mai? Yeah, um, I think, I think it's, Lately, that's been an interesting question because I've been doing a lot of uh, just uh, introverted work, if you want to put it that way, because I'm just yeah. working on projects and it's project-based. And so, um, yeah, so I think that looks different in different seasons mm-hmm. um, in different um, places. So, like, I know in, in when I was in Okinawa or whenever I would go back to visit during college, that would look like, um, for me, that would just look like, like getting up earlier because in Okinawa the day starts later Um, Mm -hmm. and so I would so typically like the day would start at like 9 or 10 and then Mm -hmm. and then so then I would just get up earlier and like go walk along the ocean uh, side and and just like have some quiet moment like outside in nature and that was kind of my um, way of like giving self-love and like a peace of mind because it because when I'm there it is such a heavily communal place that that you're just you're always with people and so for me for me i'm i gain energy by um, retreating and doing like art projects or reading or uh, being in nature and so that that's how it looked like there but i think in here in america like 
Um, I, I noticed that it's harder to build quality friendships because it is an individualistic society. And so I think for me, the irony of self-love here is like make it being disciplined in my schedule to make sure like I have margin to, to include people in a somewhat spontaneous way in that day. And then, but then also having like places in my schedule where I'm on purposely saying, Hey, let's meet on Thursday morning for coffee or like, yeah. um, and just like scheduling it out ahead of time. I know. It's yeah. Hard to do. <laughs> I love being spontaneous sometimes. <laughs> hey, you want to go grab coffee right now? <laughs> yeah. I miss that. Like, hey, um, are you, wait, are you on my calendar? No. Uh, how do people talk to my people? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I think that part, it, it took me such a long time to get over it and just, yeah, it, when I came back to uh, the States for um, my undergrad years, like that took me such a long time to get over how everybody r- ran on a schedule like that. And I, so I think that's, yeah, to answer your question about self-love, that's what it looks like for me depending on which country I'm in. Um, yeah, because it tends to be one or the other. But, yeah, I think. Yeah, or just finding other people that enjoy um, doing activities side by side with me. So, like, mm-hmm. I enjoy reading. So, like, meeting up with people that also enjoy reading and talking about mm-hmm. what we read. Yeah, or yeah. or like doing or like watching movies that um, that I know that like maybe Clement wouldn't want to watch, but then like I can go watch with like other girlfriends, and so like I have that girl time. Um, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I guess that's what it looks like. We're kind of rounding off now, and um, I had two questions for you. Okay. So for those that are listening now that, you know, have similar background mm-hmm. as yours, what kind of anecdotes would you like to pass along to them, especially drawing from how you grew up and things that you think you could have done better or things that could have been better to have, um, to have helped you, like, ease through your journey? Yeah, um, that's a good one. I think for those of you out there that are, mixed race um, and coming from different spheres of the world um, I think just I think just take it easy I think um, I think something I would have done like if I could go back and tell like past me that was like freaking out about my identity and freaking out like what culture do I belong to what race am I I don't belong in a race like like you might not you might not instantly connect everywhere but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that your insight isn't needed or isn't valuable like it is very precious and it is very Mm -hmm. valuable um and just like to remember like just take one step at a time and like you'll figure it out along the way and and i think in that too like um because once you start adding multiple cultures like you kind of have to start picking and choosing like what what you do to remember them um Mm. yeah and so as sad as that sounds like i think you just based on your location and based on the the demographic of people that are around you like to some degree it'll it'll naturally show like show up like how you can celebrate your culture um and remember it but also it's a sense of intentionality so um i would just say like yeah like just take it easy like like it's good to be intentional about remembering your culture and like how to do it but but don't freak out if you find yourself like molding into this new culture of your own um and because that's good and that's okay too and um yeah like like you it's okay if you end up making your own new culture and um and i think that's the beauty of it is is you're contributing to society in a new and like unseen way and yeah and so i think that in itself is really valuable too um yeah so just you're valuable you you are needed in our society and in our community very good very very good i mean that was that was good my 
That was <laughs> um, <laughs> the last question I have for you is this. So I'm Nigerian, right, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you curious about anything as regards my country? Like, seems you probably have heard you want to ask questions about, and it's okay to ask anything. Yeah, um, I think I'm curious to know. So I have met, it, it, so I think through my period, like time from like birth to now, present day, like mm-hmm. I have met more Nigerian um country origin Africans yeah. than I want to say almost like any other like African country African. Yeah. yeah origin country and so like I'm curious like if was if there was like some sort of like like so for example like like in uh, there's a high Japanese population in Brazil but that's because yeah. of World War Two and like there was like an immigration like exodus push and so like I'm wondering if there's like some sort of like singular event that like is attributing to that or it, um, of like Nigerians like immigrating everywhere or well at least my context is Japan and, and America yeah, so yeah. yeah and so I've only experienced that but it, even in those two nations that that's the yeah so uh, does that make sense yeah it does so yeah. um, just to be sure I got your question right it's um how, like you're curious of why there's so many why there's so many Nigerians here in the U.S. compared to um, other African countries right well, that's a very good question, and um, I'm glad, for, first of all, kudos on you for knowing that there's a higher proportion of Nigerians in the U.S., because not many people can even differentiate, you know, that, number one, that Africa is a continent, and Africa has, like, <laughs> Africa has, like, more than 50 countries in it. Yeah. But to speak to that, um, this is just, this is based on, like I said, it's going to be my personal opinion, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm Nigerian, and I can tell you why I left and came here, and yeah. based on people that I've talked to. Summarily, mm-hmm. we believe in the value of education. Nigerians believe in the value of education. Mm-hmm. When you have a persistent government that has been rife with corruption, mm-hmm. and where you have come from a system that is so broken, mm-hmm. that the concept of hard work, like play hard and, 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 and earn hard, doesn't follow. Mm-hmm. So it's like turn to like other means. And one way we know that has been proven is, Getting out of that state of poverty, getting out of that um, state of mediocrity is education. And mm. so Nigerians do love to, I'm not saying other African countries don't, but mm. Nigerians do love to, you know, better themselves. And mm. as you know, the U.S., the, the way the U.S. immigration system is built, mm. it, it's built to attract highly skilled people and those mm. that want to, you know, gain advanced degrees. Mm-hmm. So that's why you might find a lot of Nigerians here that are probably working in the healthcare industry as either mm. nurses or uh, doctors or pharmacists or even not even the healthcare only even the IT like engineers um, software engineers computer scientists and things like that so yeah summarily we believe in the power of education and so for that reason US becomes a hotspot for us to come to not that the other Nigerians that don't come here just to you know vacation and, and go back home mm. but the majority of Nigerians you meet here with those that are very that, that came here to study, and that's because we believe in the value of education as a ticket to get us from poverty, to get us mm-hmm. out of poverty, and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, can I ask you a follow-up question? Of to that? course. Yes, please <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So I find that really fascinating, like the value. Yeah. And then I was wondering, like, what has your experience been like? So if, like, for the higher education, like, do you find it? So, like, I've known a lot of Asian international students and the barriers they face, but, like, it has what has the barrier been like, or was it easier than you expected, or, yeah, like, what was your experience, like, did, did it, like, what was your expectations before you came, and then how were, how were those expectations, like, met or not met? Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. a very good question. I feel like we should name it the My Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Eminem podcast. Are you sure you don't want to co-host this with me? Um, <laughs> to answer your question, um, so I moved here in 2011, right, for grad school, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really didn't. I didn't have an idea of what to expect. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, I've had I had senior colleagues that were currently in different parts of the U.S. You know, pursuing advanced degrees, but no matter what people tell you, you it's not going to be the same as what you have to go through yourself, mm-hmm. your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the hardest things for me to adjust to was the concept of you know discussing in class. So, mm-hmm. say, for example, here in, in grad school, like in my grad program, and I think I can say most grad programs, especially if you're pursuing a doctorate degree, there's mm-hmm. emphasis on um, discussion as part of your that that kind of comes towards your grade. Like how how much how much um, how much are you contributing as far as intellectual in class? It's not just enough for you to write papers and you know do well in the exams. You also have to be able to talk and discuss with your peers. And mm-hmm. it wasn't something I was used to back home because it was a system that was just you know upstream. It wasn't the other way where because from what I meant by that is yeah. lecturers come in or the professors come in and they hand you the lessons like they say it back to you and then you're supposed to just take everything and you know no you, the questions you might have to ask they're not very challenging so it was mm. you know garbage in garbage out whatever you were mm. what you're supposed to give back but now i'm here and then they tell me you know what we want to see how creative you are with your words and how you can contribute in class that was a shocker for me because i wasn't used to that um, way of method of teaching so mm-hmm. imagine taking a class that was based on for example the healthcare system in the u.s and mm-hmm. you not only had to know about the u.s but you also, you also had to like you know critique some parts and like but then how do you talk in class so i had all the knowledge i could write uh-huh. about it but it was very hard for me to talk in class because i wasn't sure i wasn't number one i was scared of being rude uh-huh. the way i was taught like sometimes when you don't like what the professor is saying like you don't agree you're not expected to like you know, comp- they're not supposed to like provide those kind of opinions. You're supposed to like, mm-hmm. you know, just accept it the way it was. So um, it took a while, and, but I think what really helped me was also the Nigerian in me. I really wanted to make very good grades, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I, I made my A's and all of that. Forget about Asian mm-hmm. parents. There's African parents as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a B was going to be an Asian F, like African F. So I just, I told myself, okay, for you to have been accepted into this program, there's some level of smartness that you have. So now, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you make it count? And it was just by looking at my peers, like my American peers especially. I loved how they were very creative with words, how they would just see something and they could immediately critique it. So that was what I had to learn. And for me, I had to keep quiet. I had to just observe, like, you know, monkey see, mm-hmm. monkey do kind of situation. And I told myself, you have to, like, disabuse your mind of that local champion mentality you had. If you wanted to make it in this program, just sit down and watch how they talk and see how they're forming their opinions. So I had to do twice as hard. I started, you know, watching a lot of, um, mm-hmm. um, of YouTube videos about those kind of topics that I was mm-hmm. presenting class. So I wasn't just focusing on the textbooks, but also on the external environment. Like, mm-hmm. it was around that time that Obamacare was passed into law. So mm-hmm. I had to learn about the Affordable Care Act. And so I listened to both sides of the argument. So I was able mm-hmm. to form an opinion. So it took me a lot of work. I had to do twice as much. But that dedication you put into the first time, you kind of, because I get so much rush from learning something new. And Mm -hmm. that dedication was what I, you know, applied to every area of my work. That's why it seems like, oh my gosh, you're doing so well. But it wasn't always like that. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. always like that. I saw the system and I saw that, okay, it has a good side. Because when you're given that opportunity to talk about your opinion about a topic that might be controversial or not, Mm -hmm. that's them telling that your voice matters, which was something different from what my professors had always told me in Nigeria. It was just like, you know, this is what we told you to do. Just do exactly the same thing. No questions asked, and you're going to get your A. But here they're telling you, you want to see how creative you are with this touch what you know, we're providing. Mm. And, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the concept of the individualized society. You know, yeah. everybody's opinion is supposed to matter in the U.S. And that mm. kind of, um, uh, that kind of you know, also shifts the way you're being taught in school because you're supposed mm. to. So you have, like, reaction papers. They want to hear, do you add uh, why or why not, this kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that.
Oh, no yeah. problem. And I, I, I like the questions you ask because, you know, I never really had to talk about it on this platform before. So thank you for bringing that out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, that's cool. I got to learn something new about you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so these are all the questions I wanted to ask. And I don't know if you have any final thoughts before I close it up. Yeah, um, I think what you're doing is amazing, and mm-hmm. I think it yeah. needs, it, I think even just, like, the way that you're intersecting, like, the three different groups, like, um, just, like, the black population, and then just, yeah. like, and Asian and Korean, and I think, I think that's really valuable, and, like, we need to hear more thoughts um, about it, and I think also, too, um, I think it's really powerful because in Asia, the conversation of, um, of all of these things like culture and what is racism and what is not it like and what is like appropriation and what is not what is yeah. and so like all these conversations are just now starting to circulate um and so i think what you're doing is really powerful and i think it's needed so and there's Thank a bunch you. of people like me that like kind of fall into in, in between places who like had different phases phases like were a part of different cultures and so it's it's really encouraging and refreshing for me for me personally anyway so i'm glad you, you're doing this oh thank you so much Mike. i really really appreciate you coming on board i mean telling us so much about yourself i learned about um okinawans i didn't even know you guys had a distinct language until yeah about that and yeah. you know I, I love i love your heart for community i love just how you're very open about the struggles you had you know being japanese american and how you're able to navigate all of that and one thing that i would like to also reemphasize for those that are listening is what mike said about if you could go back and change something it's always remind herself that you're valuable you know take it mm-hmm. easy with yourself and it's that concept of finding your tribe you might meet people that, you're going to meet a lot of people along your journey some people might understand you some people might not but when you find those people that really understand you it, it kind of helps you also build that more confidence in yourself that there's nothing really wrong with me. I just mm-hmm. happen to, you know, be biracial. And mm-hmm. the, the prep of that is, you know, being bilingual or even having to speak uh, in two different ways, your emotional language and then your mm-hmm. physical language. So yep. I just want to reemphasize that. If you're listening to this podcast or if you're, if you're either biracial or you're, you're married to someone that, you know, is of a different tribe or culture from you, always remember to take it easy. And picking and choosing what you remember from your culture, it doesn't make you any less whatever you're supposed to be. It's exactly. just you trying to keep things moving. Yeah. I emphasize that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Mai. And um, I, I, I think I should bring you back again because I think we have so many things we can explore. So I definitely will, will bring you back again on the podcast and we can explore other areas. Oh, thanks. I'm so honored. <laughs> oh no, the honors, the honors are predominantly mine. Like I'm, 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 I feel honored to be able to bring you on board and talk about you know your story because, like you said, if it was just by myself, what I'm really limited to is my you know my lived experiences as a Nigerian but I want to hear mm-hmm. from diverse voices just to you know make people connect to something you know wherever they're from so thank you mm-hmm. for adding to that you know pool of discussion by sharing your unique identity and, and, and all of the things you've learned along the way mm-hmm. yeah thank you for having me no problem well everyone that was the more simple podcast don't forget to subscribe on iTunes you can search for the more simple podcast hit that subscribe button and then you can also make sure you subscribe on the website www.mosibyl.com that's mosibyl.com and put your email address there. I promise I'm not going to send it off to Facebook for anything. If you put your email address there, you can also be notified when episodes are uploaded every every Thursday. Well, if you have any comments for my, or if you have any comments about this episode, please, you know, send, make comments on the, on the website, and I'll respond to them as soon as I can. Thank you all for listening, and see you guys next time. I've been your host, most of all. All right, my. <laughs> Bye. You wonderful. You did wonderfully well. Thank mm-hmm. you. Let me thank um. Help me say hi to to Clement and thank you so much for me. <laughs> yeah, I will. And All right. Yeah, I hope you guys are doing good, and I'll see oh, you guys. Oh, <laughs> see you when you see. I know, right? <laughs>